Welcome to Musing the Mysteries, a podcast by Barney Wiggett. What you'll find here are some recent musings about the God of the Bible and living in such a way as to bring him pleasure. Happy musing. call this just enough time. I uh, wrote an essay and posted it on both Musing the Mysteries and BarneyWiggett.com, so if you'd like to read that, feel free. Uh, It's kind of a little bit too long for a kitchen table podcast talk like this, so I'm going to just share the summary of it and some sound bites for your listening pleasure and hoping to kind of inspire you to read the whole essay when you can. But when I was first diagnosed with cancer, I, I worried about dying before my story was finished. I have a story to tell. I have a story to live. And I was concerned about dying before that story came to a conclusion. I, you know, I had and still have some things I want to do before I go to be with Jesus. And I came across several passages in the Gospel of John. Some of them consoled me that God, you know, would give me enough time to do everything he wanted me to do. And others of these passages convicted me that he would give me just enough time. In other words, I'd have time, but not necessarily more than I needed to finish my particular assignment. Uh, I just, I don't think God usually gives due dates and deadlines. So we got to, you know, stay on track and stay on task. So he, he gives us enough time to do what we're supposed to do, but maybe not more time than we need. Uh, maybe just enough. Uh, Ephesians 5, 16 and 17 in the message version says, so watch your step, use your head, make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. I like that. Uh, there's a couple of things that kind of keep me going in my life. I, there's two things I really, two main things I want to do. I want to have grandchildren and I want to do some things that advance the kingdom. <laughs> so, you know, there's an old saying, the world's a bridge and the wise man will pass over it, but, but he won't build his house on it. And uh, I'm probably a bit closer to heaven's end of the bridge. So I'm thinking more about these things than ever before. So these passages in John are John 9, 4, that goes like this. As all of these are teachings of Jesus, as long as it's day, we must work the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Then John eleven nine. 9, are there not 12 hours of daylight, Jesus said? A man who walks by day will not stumble for he sees by this world's light. And then John 12, 35, You are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark doesn't know where he's going. So so in other words, one day he said, there's there's time. And then on another he warned, but not a lot of it. So I, I get from that. I have enough time, but just enough time if you get my drift. So I really just have two points. One is don't be nervous. And the two is don't be careless. 
Don't be nervous, you've got enough time to do what you're supposed to do. And don't be careless, you've only got enough time to do what you're supposed to do. So let's start with don't be nervous, you've got enough time. And that's the John 11, 9. Aren't there 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble for he sees by this world's light. The backstory of this is the raising of his friend Lazarus from the dead. And he says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to you know, visit my, my friend Lazarus. And the disciples said, don't do that because there are people that want to kill you. And Jesus is basically saying here, doesn't the sun shine for 12 hours? I've got time. No one's going to kill me before, you know, until it's the right time. Don't worry about it. I've got enough time before they take me. There's plenty of daylight you know, left for me to do what I'm supposed to do. The, the Father's working all this out and, and giving me the, you know, the time that I need to finish what I started. And while I recognize we're not Jesus, we're not the Son of God, but as sons and daughters of God, I think we're also on assignment like Jesus was. And so I think it's a legit application of the passage to be comforted by this for our own lives, that we, we've got enough daylight to do what God ordained for us to do. And do you ever have a teacher or a professor in high school or college that gave you some math, you know, huge mammoth assignment and then gave you till the next day at the, to the, at the beginning of class to, you know, turn it in. But, you know, God gives us enough time for his assignments. It may not seem like it, but he does. Uh, now, sometimes, interestingly enough, if we carry the story out of Lazarus raising, sometimes we need a little extra time than regulation time. And so God sends it into overtime. And for, you know, Lazarus, it seemed like the sun had totally set, but on God's clock, there was still time to spare. So regulation time had run out and God sent it into overtime. And I assume from that that Lazarus, I don't think Jesus was just showing off. I think Lazarus must have needed more time to finish some of his own work. And I, you know, I wonder how often God does that, postpones or overturns our dying in order to give us the time we need to finish our assignments I mean, because we're all terminal but nevertheless sometimes he postpones the uh, the dying part I mean that's how God gets his wins sometimes in overtime his miracles you know extend the usual uh, but he doesn't always do it that way he picks his spots for those kinds of dramatics and of course, his most famous overtime win was, well, I mean, you know what it was, when hope had totally died and three days later it rose again. But the takeaway from the story isn't so much the overtime, but I think is, is not that we're supposed to take our time in doing what we're supposed to do, but rather take God's time into account while we're trying to get it all done. In other words, it's not like we have all the time in the world, not in this world anyway, but we, we should trust him that, you know, he'll, he'll give us enough time to finish the game. So in other words, don't be nervous, as my, used, my dad used to say, don't be nervous in the service. He'll, he'll give you enough time to finish what you're supposed to do. And, you know, really, that, that should make us feel better. You know, we should be able to inhale grace, exhale angst as a result of this. 
Because there's 12 hours of daylight, so don't be nervous. You've got enough time to do what you're supposed to do. On the other hand, don't be careless. You've got just enough time to do what you're supposed to do. And this is where the John 12, 35 passage comes in for me. Jesus said, you're going to have light just a little while longer. You know, walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark doesn't know where he's going. So the opposite extreme is don't drag your feet. You don't have forever to fulfill your assignment. You've, You've got 12 hours, but only 12 hours. Daylight isn't interminable. The sun, you know, eventually sets. So you have time, but it's just enough time. We, we've got to walk while it's light because darkness is on its way. And uh, if you're going to get it all done, you're, what you're supposed to get done, you'll need to get it out of granny gear, shift into second, pop the clutch, hit the gas, and go. You know, I, I know nervous Christians who can't ever seem to unplug. But I seem to know a lot more careless Christians who can't ever seem to get plugged in. I mean, they, they must think that there's just plenty of time to do whatever they're supposed to do and never quite get around to it. They're perennial procrastinators. But Jesus said, as long as it's day, we must work the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. You're going to have the light just a little while longer. You have time, but not a bottomless quantity of it. Just a little while, he said. We don't know when, but the due date for our work here on his planet is sooner than later. The sun isn't going to stay up forever. It's just not what it does. So while you can still see, you know, see where you're walking, you you should be doing what you're supposed to do with your life. Paul used uh, the same metaphor, but kind of in reverse uh, in Romans 13, where he said, another reason for right living is that you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up for the coming of our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Uh, The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. Like I said, it's the same metaphor, but in, in reverse, instead of the day being nearly over, it's the night that's almost spent. So it's the same point. Time is running out. It's, it's later than it's ever been. So don't be lazy. Don't procrastinate. If you've ever heard of the, the missionary named David Brainerd, who died at 29 years old, but was a passionate firebrand for Christ. And he wrote in his journal, Oh, that I might never loiter on my heavenly journey. That's yeah, We're not supposed to loiter on our heavenly journey. So I, I personally know that I have... It's likely that I have less time than I used to think I had. We're all terminal, but but we should be taking full advantage of whatever daylight we have and you know manage it in the best way that we know. Uh, Ephesians 5 again in the NIV says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish but understanding what the will will of the Lord is. I think he's basically saying our moments matter. We should be maximizing our moments for God's pleasure. So 
that we can leave the world a better place than we found it. I'm not talking about being busy, by the way. I mean, if you've seen the bumper sticker that said, Jesus is coming soon, look busy. Busyness, somebody said, beware of the barrenness of a busy life. I'm not talking about being busy, just doing busy work and staying nervous, having nervous energy in the service of God. God's not looking for busyness. He's just looking for faithfulness, for obedience. I think of it as kind of this balance of the of the two, uh, not being nervous, but not being careless, is a passion with patience. You know, uh, marathoners work with pace setters, ones that are serious marathoners. They work with pace setters. And that pace setter keeps them from running too fast, too early, or too slow for too long. Because if they burst off the starting line in a, in a dead sprint, they're not going to have enough gas to to finish well 26 miles later. But if they save too much for the end, they're not going to have enough time to catch, you know, catch the front runners down the stretch. So life in Jesus, it isn't a sprint, but neither is it a stroll. And so if we want to run well and finish well, we, we need kind of a balanced recipe of passion and patience. I think some people conserve too much energy for way too long. And and my question is, what are we conserving it for? If we want to finish well, we better make a run for it. And there are, so there are more, there are both, I should say, nervous overachievers and careless underachievers. And we need to find that kind of that pace in between, a pace equally full of passion as well as a patience. I wrote in my journal about three years, no, about a year, I should say, after my diagnosis with cancer. And I quote, Lord, help me to use all of my daylight for finding and fulfilling the purpose for which I still have breath in my aging lungs. While the sun's still up, remind me not to languish in the light sunbathing. At the same time, help me avoid being tense leaving you behind and making me unpleasant to the very people I hope to influence toward you. Lord, I can't tell what leg of the race I'm currently in. I I only want to go as fast or as slowly as you'd have me go, running next to you, my pace setter. Mercifully enable me to do what I'm supposed to do when I'm supposed to do it. Give me passion to run like the wind and Patience when your wind is a gentle breeze. Well, this final passage in John 9, 4, Jesus said, As long as it's day, we must work the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. He's saying, you know, work until the sun goes down. Don't punch out early. You know, in Jesus' day, when the sun went down, they went to bed. They didn't get cable in Galilee So there really wasn't much to do at night but to sleep. There was no working late at the office. So if you didn't finish, you're out of luck, at least for the day. Jesus used the 12 hours of daylight as, you know, a metaphor for how much time his disciples had with him to show them how to do stuff. For for them, it was a matter of months, not years, before he was going to leave them to the work. In our case, it's It's our lifetime, however long it may be, 
that corresponds to the period of time the sun shines in one day. The bottom line is we don't have much time to get our work done. Whether it's days or months or years, the span of time is, is it's limited. You know, the context of this story in John 9 is there's a guy that was blind from birth that was standing in front of them, Jesus and the disciples. And the disciples asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I mean, I, I don't know, but I just think this is kind of a common delay tactic. You know, being more concerned about the theological problem than our neighbor's problem. I mean, don't we just analyze issues to death? Somebody called it the paralysis of our analysis. And we, and, you know, never get around to doing anything about the, the issues. But Jesus came to solve problems, not study them. And I just think he said, you know, we don't have time for this. And he healed the guy. It's getting dark, guys. Do you want to talk about it or do you want to fix it? And of course, the way he fixed him was in the most bizarre way with saliva-soaked mud put on his eyes. I was thinking about that. Maybe he was trying to make the point, you know, we're not supposed to sit around and figure this out or try to explain it. Let's just help the guy. And so what he does is he does it in a way that defied explanation, this whole mud from saliva thing. Maybe he was saying, you know, to show you how unimportant analyses and explanations are, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this in a way that you won't be able to explain. And then later, when the guy was pressed for an explanation about how he got well, he said, I don't know. All I know is I used to be blind and lost and now I'm not. So rather than analyze it to death so that we have an excuse to do nothing, wait until we get all our ducks in an order, uh, till we know more, till we understand more, you know, we should just do something, right? We, we might be waiting longer than we've got. God tends to let us know more when we use what we already know. You know, they say that when it's all said and done, there's usually more said than done. I hope that's not the case for you and for me. I trust that we'll do more than we say with the just enough time we have to do it.